Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Chris, I know you're still 
looking through your papers, getting everything together, and getting everything for an amazing show tonight. Absolutely. What is the deal with Monday Night Raw last night? It was a good Raw, but again, the beginning was just uh, and, you know the whole horn and just buys a new car. It's, I think, yeah, and I mean Seth Rollins is doing great, but he can do, but he's and it was just overboard. Uh, kind of confused me from the start. Yeah. I actually thought Raw was flat again, and uh, there's been reports of <clears throat> uh, throughout the day of the numbers seeing the worst um, viewership of the entire year. So that is not <laughs> that is not good numbers to for Seth Rollins uh, and Creative to hold their head high. Uh, on and uh, of course, uh, please excuse me. I'm not 100% yet, but I feel so much better than I did last Tuesday. Uh, so thank you everyone for their prayers and well wishes. And uh, I just continue. I'm about 85% right now. Last week I was about 45, so that's a, a nearly a, a double as good as I was last year, uh, last week. So. Uh, and again, hey, listen, 45, 85, it doesn't matter. Uh, I will be here live on Pancakes and Power Slams. Um, you have it, you name it. All right, so uh, we were talking about the opening segment of Raw. Of course, before I go out, um, <clears throat> uh, title match trivia. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everybody, for your <laughs> for your amazing support as uh, my technical difficulties uh, was unfortunately uh, getting the best of the first uh, <clears throat> first segment of the of the show. But yeah, uh, trivia championship though uh, the title is being defended. We have some number one contenders last week, so let's start with trivia. Uh, what year did ECW go bankrupt? What year did ECW go bankrupt? So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, back to uh, the first opening segment of Raw. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was, <laughs> you know what, did you know, I like it, did you know, Pancakes and Power Slams has been the number one radio show on We Are Wrestling for 170 weeks in a row. Absolutely love it, absolutely love it. There's your did you know for all the uh, WWE random did you know um, bits that they have uh, during Raw and SmackDown. But the year the ECW folded, what the year did ECW fold? All right, so we're going to talk about, as Derek uh, uh, briefly mentioned, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Raw, of course, and We'll talk a little bit of TNA, um, Slammiversary, and, uh, you know, I, as much, I get, I get TNA pay-per-views, I watched Wrestle Kingdom, I watched, uh, you know, ROH, ROH stuff all the time, I'm a huge ROH fan, as many people know, but I, I just couldn't muster up. The, the 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 wherewithal, the oomph, the money. I had the money, 
but I just could not muster up the money to pay for a pay-per-view as a dirt cheat rider myself I cannot muster up the money to pay for a pay-per-view that I already know the results of the next month of programming I just oh my goodness I I, TNA to me and this is third this is TNA's 13th year in existence and I would say about half of those years I am scarred up trying to fight for TNA and defend TNA for so long there were so many ups and downs and you know, I remember the days the days that I really liked TNA were were the days when Jerry Lynn, AJ Styles, Amazing Red, Low Key, uh you name it, uh when when they when they even had like Sonny Siaki and Elix Skipper, of course Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, uh Matt Bentley, uh I mean um was it uh, Jamel Bates and uh, and all and and all of those uh, or Jarrell Bates, I believe, um, all of those X Division stars. I mean, Austin Aries or was back uh, around that time too, um, and, and just those. <clears throat> that's the time when I loved TNA when when they really really showcased their X Division stars. And they had people like D'Lo Brown and Apollo and, uh, you know, even, of course, Sting, Jeff Jarrett even. You know, and they had people like that that, you know, were, were, were solid main event hands. Even they had Christian Cage and Rhino and Raven and all of those solid main event hands. But... You know, they could carry their weight, you know, of course, Abyss as well. They could carry their weight in the main event and have good main event matches. But, you know, the bread and butter was the X division. The bread and butter, you know, of, was the even the, the knockouts division when they had, you know, Gail Kim against, uh, you know, Awesome Kong. And, you know, of course, they had the beautiful people uh, were big around that time, you know, back in the day. And just uh, when I had Trinity, and just a lot of good names that really put TNA on the map, and a lot of the names, you know, they a lot of the names came from NWA Wildside and you know indie independent NWA promotions, you know, like James Storm, AJ Styles, uh, Chris Harris, Wildcat Chris Harris, you know, all of them names came from, you know, uh, NWA Wildside that went out of business and other NWA promotions, and we really didn't know them. You know, they weren't very well-known. You know, there was only probably a handful of people that was well-known at the time. But it worked, though, because it was, you know, that's when they they really put the uh, uh, six-sided ring uh, made them made it very popular. I think it was uh, I think it was like sports uh, sports time Ohio or something like that. That was uh, 
that it showed or on the sports channel or something like that um when they had their first deal and uh it was good you know and then you know spike uh, they became so popular that that spike tv you know brought them on and it just <clears throat> it worked and i don't know I really don't know what the pivotal point was. I really, really don't know when the pivotal point was that TNA just just dipped. <laughs> they just really, they just really, really dipped. And I don't know if it's because it wasn't necessarily a tag team, you know, division because they had. Uh, you know, well, first they had the American Wolves, and they were the American Wolves feuded against Triple X, and they feuded against uh, the Naturals, and they were big at that time. So, and then even transitioning a little bit more, went you know, beer money against uh, Motor City Machine Guns, and so I just don't. I mean, maybe it was the Hogan and Bischoff era. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'd imagine maybe that was the case. Maybe it was the Hogan and Bischoff era when they decided when it just dipped. And I think that was 2010, if I'm not mistaken, or 2011, that uh, they decided to go head to head with with Raw. And some, you know, some of my colleagues were like, "Give it a chance, give it a chance." I and I've said this before on the show. There are certain things that I knew was just dead on arrival. I knew that Tensai was dead on arrival. I knew that AJ Lee as general manager was dead on arrival. I knew that TNA on Monday nights competing with Raw at that point and that point of their tenure was dead on arrival. And it was just all bad. And now, you know, fast-forwarding to Slammiversary, you know, I watched TNA last week. I saw the very, you know, poignant interview with they had with Jared. It was, you know, it, it was, it caused a lot of buzz, you know, and there was reports going on now that the, you know, executives of Destination America was very upset about that because they had no idea you know, that that was going to happen. It generated buzz and made people talking. I don't know if that's going to make, you know, generate any more numbers, especially since there's all kinds of releases, you know, there's all kinds of releases that's been reported over the past week. Not releases in, 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 in just through quitting or being, you know, fired or, ter- or you know, from their, from their position. So, you know, like I said, it caused buzz. It, it it made us talk. You know, but and the and the surprise and the surprise returns were, eh. You know, Matt Morgan is a TNA guy through and through, so it made sense for him to come back. I had no idea of why Vader was there. You know, I was very sympathetic towards you know Vader being in the ring at sixty years old. Um, you know, as far as all the other returns, yeah, you know, it it, it was it was it was decent. It, it made some noise. I'm not quite sure if it's going to get past a few weeks, to be honest with you. So I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, 
I I wasn't very intrigued with what I saw, uh, for sure. You know, and and I I I, I like I said, I I've been trying. To, yeah, great great point. <clears throat> there was no pivotal point. What people think was the standard was just a few years of great programming. The early stuff in Spike was great, but the weekly pay-per-view sucked. Only brought two because it wasn't worth it. For some reason, people think those years of a uh, few years of good TNA was the standard. I, you know, I, I agree. You know, and it's and the thing is, I think I think it was just new. It was something different. It was something fresh. The weekly pay-per-views. Showcased the X Division, which was good. It was good wrestling. People respected that. Um, but I, I still think that there was something that just caused it to tank. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what. It, I mean, I've watched. I've never stopped watching TNA. I've watched TNA from 13 years ago to now. I've never stopped watching. There was times that I would, including now. There was times that it would hurt me to watch, but I've never stopped watching TNA the entire time I've watched it. And I just can't clearly pinpoint that pivotal mark that just shifted TNA. If if I had a choice, it would be the Hogan and Bischoff era because during that time, you know, you had the 10 10 10 which was probably the most flopped angles ever, other than the higher power. And you had uh, Immortal, which was just blah. And then you had Fortune, which was no good either. It was an interesting concept, but it, it originally was called Fortune, with the word four in there, to kind of a play on the four horsemen. And then, you know, by the time you know it, there's like eight people in Fortune. So you got to change you got to change it. So it was just, you know, it just unfortunately it had it had an opportunity to be something. It it really really had an opportunity to be something. Someone else someone else mentioned Hardy versus Sting at Victory Road. That was a pivotal mark too, for sure. Um and then somebody has a picture of Jay Lethal. Why in the world would he was he not a TNA World Champion? Jay Lethal's my favorite ROH wrestler, um, and one of my favorite wrestlers in TNA. And why in the world was he not a TNA champion? He beat Ric Flair. He beat Ric Flair in a match, and and that was one of the most funniest segments ever in TNA. When him and Ric Flair went at it back and forth, you know, Space Mountain, and <laughs> it was <laughs> just, oh, if if you haven't watched the segment with Jay Lethal and Ric Flair on TNA, please, it would do you so much service to watch that, because it was probably the funniest segment ever on TNA. But other than that, you know, some some uh, some decent marks every now and then, but yes, I do remember when AJ became the new Nature Boy. Yes, I do remember that, and that was and that was another flop. So, I mean, I, I know that you weren't a very big TNA supporter, but you you tried to you know you, you tried to endeavor in, in, in TNA, but still. 
didn't, you know, um, weren't still convinced, were, were you not? I was not. And I, I'm watching the past, and like you'd mentioned, they've had so many big names in there, and they still do currently. I mean, you've got Kurt Angle. I mean, he won the gold medal with a freaking broken neck. And uh, it's just a surprise that they don't, they haven't really gotten past, like I said, maybe four years ago, five years ago. I mean, they they have not ever peaked from that. And it's so much. You know, Ric Flair was there. And Hogan and Bischoff, they're a cancer for anybody to run a business. But, I mean, they always thought, you know, Dixie Carter was still in charge. But yeah. is it something? Is she just too nice? Is she not the cutthroat Vince McMahon? Bischoff She's a mark. She... That's 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 the problem with Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter's a mark. She's not a businesswoman. She doesn't know how to run a business. I've watched I've listened to so many interviews and talked to people who were released from TNA that they would they would give me a consensus and listening to the interviews and talking to the people who were released from TNA would have a consensus of Dixie Carter is a nice person, but she's a mark. She does not know how to run a business from a wrestling standpoint, from the under, from the psychology, from the understanding, from the build, from the slow burns, from the turns, from the title changes, from the draw, from the suspenseful creative writing. All of those facets of wrestling that you have to have to be a successful and intriguing wrestling company, Dixie Carter was not that person. She, you know, brought in, you know, Dave Lagana and 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 Bruce Prichard and you know even Dusty Rhodes for a second uh, for a couple of years, you know, to try to be those and Jim Cornette as well. To, to be those to be those writers to be those you know figureheads to to really cut and even Russo as well to be those figureheads to to uh, you know impart their their long you know knowledge into the product but it's still that's still not how you run a business from a wrestling standpoint it's like if you really want to compete from from here's the thing, either you're going to focus, either either your brand is going to be very wrestling heavy, or you're going to be very entertainment heavy. But if you choose to be one of those, you better be very good at one of those. WWE is very entertainment based. And that's why they're very good. That's why they are the juggernaut of the pro wrestling because they are a brand. They are sports entertainment, and it's true. And that's the reason why people want to watch WrestleMania every year. Even even we we can complain, and I see this every single year. People complain and complain and complain about how horrible Mania is going to be, but they still watch it. Because they can't get enough. That's what should draw people into it. There's still going to be a spectacle. There's still going to be some suspense. That's the entertainment brand that the WWE has created. That's why they're so successful. ROH, successful. 
not on a not nearly as on a caliber as WWE, but they're successful selling out three, four hundred, you know, uh, uh, state gymnasiums and uh, theater and, and you know bingo halls and you know concert venues. They're good at selling out, you know, three, three, four hundred people because that's their niche. And it's worked for them the past 13 years because they, they've been with, you know, they started the same year TNA did, 2002. So it works for ROH. That's the reason why ROH is building so much steam because it works. They found their niche. They're a very wrestling-heavy promotion. And that exactly is what works for ROH. New Japan. New Japan's been been around since 1972. You know, over 40 years in the business, wrestling heavy, very, very wrestling heavy brand that works. And so TNA never found their niche. They 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 tried to be entertainment, but it didn't work. Uh, and the, the the point of it is how, how dare you. And I'm glad you put that video up, Nakamura, because that... And me being a, such a sting mark, people know how much of a sting mark I am. He is my all-time favorite wrestler, hands down, unquestionably. But why in the world would you make him a Joker character? And, oh, man, I was just, I, I was so upset. I was I was so upset that they, that they did. It's that even now... New Japan is taking notes on the sports entertainment aspect of the E. Just look at Okada, Nakamura, and Tanahashi. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that. And it's working because they've already found their niche to be a strong style Japanese wrestling company. And now with, you know, people like uh, all three of those people, you know, Okada, with the whole Rainmaker, Nakamura just reeks of, you know, uh, reeks of uh, charisma. Tanahashi, too. And it's working for them because they're integrating the sports entertainment style with their strong style because they've already found their niche. And and same with ROH. ROH is starting to get more of a sports entertainment type of feel to them, but they still will not vary off of their wrestling style. TNA, on the other hand, it's like they never really found, you know, they never really found their niche. And it's unfortunately, it's unfortunately, fortunately for... You know, it's unfortunate for our, us us as wrestling fans because, you know, we, we want that competition. We want TNA to survive, but it, it seems like they're a sinking ship. Well, it does, and I've never really considered them to be competition. I mean, honestly. And it's uh, there's a comment that Dixie is a pretty Jim Hurd. And uh, I, I totally <laughs> agree with that in some aspect. The way that they tried to change, or the way they changed things, like Hurd wanted to change Ric Flair, and it's just the same thing. They just scrape for the most ridiculous things to do just because they think it's going to raise eyebrows, and it just turns people away. And it loses so much stock in their product and their presentation of the show. So, they uh, last TNA I ever would have thought. And, I mean, it almost yeah. looks like the ship is sinking. Every time I say that, something happened that cuts 
But, I mean, this time I just don't really think there's that much hope because you got Jeff Jarrett with GW coming in. So that could do something, but I don't think it would be called TNA anymore. They might, you know, co-brand and fusion angle, whatever they want to do. But TNA by itself is – it's done. I can see a joint venture going on with them and GFW, but but to be honest with you – why do I care? You know, I, the only reason why I would want to care is because I think competition is very, very good for pro wrestling. It's it's healthy. It's very good, and it's very necessary for wrestling. Look, you know, look at the territories. You know, I've said before, you had Ganya, you know, in one, Blanchard in one, er- Von Erich in one. Uh, Jarrett in another, McMahon, you know, senior in another. So you had the, you know, you had all of the the territories going around that worked. It was competition, but at the same time, you know, a lot of them would work together and say, hey, you know, I want him, you know, Von Erich would talk to, you know, Crockett or, or would talk to, you know, uh, Eddie Graham in the Florida Territory and, you know, Von Eric from Texas would work with, you know, Eddie Graham, uh, Eddie Graham or or uh, uh, Blanchard would, you know, would work with, with Ganya and stuff like that. You know, hey, you know, give me him for a week and, you know, I, I make sure that he helps you, you know, draw, you know, make a better box office. You know, just, just cohesion, you know, like that. Understand that it's a doggy dog world in the wrestling business, but at the same time, it's like you still understand the the, the benefit of, of cross promoting, but you're gonna have the 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 point in the in the in the territories that the biggest point of crossing of cross promoting was to still market the guy. The, the you know the headliner the the box office guy there's not uh, there's not anyone else left in TNA or GFW that can really give WWE any competition i mean Kurt Angle is one of the greatest wrestlers that ever stepped foot in pro wrestling but the guy you know is you know a, a, a few <clears throat> a, a few hairs away from 50 and it's like you know, it, that's not going to work. Um, you know, uh, there's there's some there's a, a question here as far as uh, Kenny Omega. I like Kenny Omega. I don't know if Kenny Omega. Ha- I mean, he has the, he has the charisma. He's a fantastic hand. You know, uh, I think he's a good addition to the Bullet Club. But I, if if you brought, I mean, people, I think Omega. I think that he has enough steam from the indies, and I think he has enough steam, um, you know, from from his affiliation with the Bullet Club and New Japan, you know, to be a main event guy for like GFW. Because if if you're really going to make any steam in the states, you know, it's time to really bring some of those people, some of those uh, guys from New Japan, and make them main eventers, make them head like GFW made such a good business decision when they partnered with New Japan 
and had Wrestle Kingdom 9. Wrestle Kingdom 9 was one of the greatest pay-per-views that ever happened. I, I will say that with with all assurance. G- Wrestle Kingdom 9 was absolutely amazing pay-per-view. It was a partnership with GFW and uh, New Japan. And I think that, that was great for Jeff Jarrett to build some steam. Now he's, you know, barely getting 150 people you know, in in stadiums, you know, and so it's in six months. Unfortunately, that steam has died down. But people like Okada, people like Nakamura, people like Tanahashi, um, you know, people uh, like you know, even even someone from a mid card level like a Gato, uh, you know, and, and people like that, I think would work uh, in the states as being you know solid hands and even i would i would put okada tanahashi and and nakamura i would make them three of my biggest names in gfw and i think that that would work from a strong style kenny omega too i think i would make him a main event name too so i i think i think the 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 new japan feel in gfw would bring some noise to the to the program in the states as far as the states are concerned and but other other than that if we see a if if we see an alliance between GFW and TNA no nobody's going to care about that you know this king of the mountain title it seems like they're just going to do it to have some type of GFW evasion invasion magnus is released from TNA he's scheduled to be in the new in the next tapings of of G, uh, GFW you know uh, who really who really cares about that Next question is, uh, what year did WWE SmackDown debut? Uh, I don't still don't see the what year did ECW go bankrupt. What year did ECW go bankrupt? Uh, still don't see a correct answer for that. And let's get to Raw. Um, Seth Rollins, authority in-ring promo. Rollins awards Kane with a, a Hawaiian vacation and J.J. Security with a Cadillac. I think we, we, we briefly mentioned it. This was overboard. This was just I mean they could have they could have booked so many other things in this this segment. This was just one of the worst segments of the year. And I think that's the reason why the numbers dipped so much because I mean this 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 raw was the lowest raw of the entire year. So uh and from the numbers it dipped, you know, after the beginning and and yeah, people just weren't in, intrigued in that, and, and they, it was it, it damaged the the raw so much that you know it was it was tough to to rebuild it after that. Uh, of course it was. I mean, it was just annoying. It was useless. The banter between the four of them. And we don't need that. Yeah, we get it. And you want to be their friends and everything, but to go on almost what twenty twenty five minutes of just. Oh, I love you guys. You're the best. And here's more presents. And here's this presents. And here's your stupid Cadillac to beat the heck out of the horn. Forget it. I mean, it's too much. It was ridiculous. And I just, I didn't, from that point, I was, eh, what's this Raw going to turn out to be? Which, again, I don't think it was the worst Raw of all time as it went on. But, I mean, that it did turn out. When, usually they turn out talking and doing whatever they want to do. But, I mean, just, they could not carry. Start with that on their own. 
Absolutely. Um, and I think that um, I believe that uh, yeah, Austin Aries has gone too. I just don't know if Austin. I I just don't see. Yeah, Austin Aries being. Uh, they just need people different from what they have now. TNA. I mean, just. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, how how am I supposed to be sold on 13 years of seeing something that failed? So if you name it something else, it's still going to fail. I mean, now they have like Shelton Benjamin and Doc Gallows, good names, very good names, but you know they're not main event caliber people. Chris, Ma- they have Chris Masters too. Chris Masters isn't a main event main event guy um he had a chance to be but you know he's he's damaged goods as well too um so we'll see uh speaking of damaged goods <laughs> mark henry that guy why in the world is he still wrestling i mean he needs to retire quick uh real quick uh ecw did go bankrupt in 2001 SmackDown debuted in, in 1999. So who's ever keeping score about the trivia championship, uh, be sure to uh, keep those right answers. Yes, uh, ECW went bankrupt in 2001. WWE SmackDown debuted in 99. And who was the first pick of the first WWE draft? Who was the first pick of the first WWE draft? But yeah, just uh, Mark Henry is damaged goods. I, I I just don't believe. I mean, he he Mark Henry has the ability to have a Hall of Fame career. You know, he was the first black uh, world or other. Well, Booker T was, but he was the I guess the second black world heavyweight champion. Um, Booker T was from from a. WWE's version of the World Heavyweight Championship perspective. Uh but yeah, I mean he he was a well-deserved world champion and now since you know and, and now since the titles are merged, you know, they they say, you know, WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, he's never been a WWE champion, but now since they've merged, you know, he's in the same boat as being a WWE champion. I know. I know. Although it would have been nice to actually have the WWE Championship, but he still recognizes the world champion in WWE. So, you know, he had a Hall of Fame. He's been a uh, European champion, tag. You know, uh, and and he's had the opportunity uh, in the past. I mean, this is nineteenth year for the WWE. Nineteen years. 96 is when he started. I mean, how crazy is that? Someone who's been in the business for 19 years. And (laughs) for 19 years of being loyal to the WWE, we get one week him being a baby face, another being a heel, another face, another heel, another face, and a knockout punch. And it's like, that's really what we get from, (laughs) excuse me, that's where we would get from Mark Henry now is stuff like that. And if we're if we're really what what is the use of having Mark Henry 
on a daggone WWE show if he's going to lose every week and look weaker and weaker every week. It's absolutely ridiculous and a disgrace to what Mark Henry should be doing. Well, I mean, you can almost have the same argument with Kane and even Big Show. I mean, they just use these monstrous guys and go to make them sound like they're terrible monsters. But, I mean, someone's going to go against Kane, Big Show, or Mark Henry. I almost know that, all right, well, they're going to get the brunt of the match and look like idiots. Because, I mean, that's what they do with these big guys. They don't know how to market them well. They don't know how to make them look terrifying and scary. Maybe one or two episodes of a run out, and all of a sudden, you know, they've been for a few months. They come back with a new angle, and they're the new guy, and they're real deal this time. Same thing. I mean, just make mockeries of them. It was, uh, I'm kind of tired of seeing them. I'd rather them just go away so I can remember, okay, he had something in the 90s at least. He had... May Young give birth to a hand, that was something else. I guess I, it's, there's not much to do with these guys anymore. And it's time to it's fun to keep them around, I guess, for nostalgia. But even then, it's 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 point. I mean, he's not the world's yeah. strongest man anymore. He was 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's so 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 sad um, that you know that we have to see that you know the nostalgia act. I uh, got a question about Ziggler. We will talk about that here in a minute. Good question, and I will I will answer. Um, as far as the trivia question is concerned, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give that to you. Um, I was thinking as far as Vince McMahon's pick, but. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'll give that to you. All right, uh, so let's see here. We have, uh, then we have Ryback coming out in the Miz and all that. Ryback defeating the Miz. Paige defeating Alicia Fox. <clears throat> uh, this is one thing I noticed. This, this is one one thing I noticed that this match was long, and I was oh, I was okay with it because there it was different. Um, it was, uh, you know what, I can't get, no, that's not the correct answer. I can't give you, I can't give you Renee Dupree. I can't give you, yeah, because I'm talking about 2002, brand extension, the very first year, who was the, who was the the very first pick of the draft? If the brand extension, if I, I'm sorry, I apologize. I had to be clear. Um, who was the first pick to <clears throat> to for the for the brand extension? Um, let's see. Yeah, there we go. The Rock. The The Rock. Absolutely. Um, Chris, why do you think that it, uh, is in the states people are more likely to want older wrestlers to step away and retire? But in Japan and Mexico, it's expected that when you're a certain age, they're putting stables to put over younger talent. Great, great question. Because when you have people like, um, like Mishawaga and Kenta Kabashi and, and and people like that who are legends, um, even Tatsumi Fujinami, people like that who are legends, um, 
and putting in, and being put in, into stables because they've already they're legends. Like they, that's the thing about Japanese wrestling. Japanese wrestling creates legends. Like you know, Fujinami, like Kintsuki Sasaki. The of course my favorite Japanese wrestler Kijimuto or, or the Great Muda, and just they they create legends. And it's like the WWE doesn't really doesn't really concentrate on that so much um, because I think the the crowd reveres Japanese wrestling a lot more. You know what's so crazy? You know what's so funny is be, that I'm actually taking a uh, a research class and. Uh, I'm in my, I've said this before. I'm, I'm in my PhD courses, and I'm taking a research class, and I'm doing uh, the Asian culture, and I'm learning a lot about the Asian culture through a research class that I'm taking from my PhD courses. And you know, so funny, interesting. Uh, people in the states have uh, the, the 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 their perception of time. It was one of my last uh, assignments that I had to do about perception of time, and. Uh, people from the United States, they we follow something called linear time, and it was popularized uh, a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, um, and uh, and it was notarized by philosophers, um, Descartes, Kant, things you know, different philosophers like that, and so basically, linear time is more of a um, I think it was really popularized by Isaac Newton, but linear time is more of a, you know, from a beginning to end. It's like time is on this this ongoing conveyor belt, and it never stops. And so basically, you know, the, the rush, the, the, the sense of urgency and rush that a lot of people from the States have, that's because we're our world view our worldview is more linear. People from an Asian culture is more of, of what's called cyclical time. And they go by a, a more of a cycle, you know, and they, 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 they believe that time is, is infinite. So, you know, there's no expiration of time, so that's why a lot of times when you're talking to an Asian, they're not very quick to respond and you might think it's a language barrier, but no, it's 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 basically their way of communication. They're they're not very uh, agitated and things like that. And to and basically saying all that to say, just the the quickness and just the you know let's go ahead and bury this person and this person's yesterday's news. That's not really the mindset of really the Asian culture. And I think when you, when you get into, you know, J- Japanese wrestling, you have people that are just, you know, icons in, in the wrestling business. And I think that the, the crowd, I think that the Japanese crowd respects the art of wrestling a lot more than people in the States because I think we, I think we respect more the art of entertainment than we do with the art of wrestling. And when we see, you know, we see that with celebrities all the time. If you haven't made a, a, a CD, you know, in a couple of years, your yesterday's news. If you're not in the headlines, you know, it's kind of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And it's just, just you know, two different ways of uh, just really looking, just, just really two different vantage points on, on, on 
just life in general, but specifically just the way that wrestlers are portrayed in Japan versus uh, the States. So, uh, great question. Uh, What I was saying with Paige, uh, and before I get to Paige, next question is, uh, what pay-per-view hosted the first Elimination Chamber match? What pay-per-view hosted the first Elimination Chamber match? Yeah, this pay, this 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 with Paige, it was it was long, you know, and and I think and I liked it, you know, the whole to give Divas a chance. There was some ebbs and flows in this match, and uh, yeah, I, I was a big I was a big fan of it. The match wasn't ex, it wasn't totally exciting, but at the same time, you know. It was something that uh, we've been <laughs> complaining about for a long time as as a whole, as a wrestling whole, as far as to uh, give Divas a chance. And it was long. It worked. Um, and, and finally Paige, um, you know, fi- finally Paige got over, and I think that was a good idea. Well, that was a good idea. I mean, it's I don't say the same thing over and over again. And the match was longer, and so that – is different than the typical divas. They just they need newer, better, more talent. I mean, uh, the prissy Bella twins being all cute and girly. I mean, that's just it's so old. It's so out. It's done. I mean, it's. I would rather go back and watch Wendy Richter and Rock and Wrestling again. I just with their ridiculous outfits and makeup. Other than seeing the Bella twins, I'm so sick of that posh girly Kardashian wannabe type. Thing on Monday Night Raw, not on the Divas. But I mean, that's their character. That's what they do. And so the WWE has to swallow that. And they just they need new, more better talent. Yeah. That's just not out there to look good. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a brief pause. We'll be right back. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, on mine, let's go. The whole squad is making it clear, we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play, these big boys play. Like who defies the living God, get out the big boys way. Outsiders with the swoop in, we live as kings, you seeing us. But our third man waits in the wings, and when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo, cause the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. To the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful, Bobby Eaton, me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do-rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep, you all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back, we repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking, yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust, pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people must shook that. Stamping out this crook rap, he turning the power. We're on, on the raising 
razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move too. You too. I'm in the Baptist with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Donner Brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. I'm getting some people rallying behind me. This will be the second year that uh, I've done 8,000 push-ups for the month of of July. So last, I like doing push-ups, so I've said it before, I like working out, I'm a personal trainer. And last year, uh, I was at work, and I was like, you know what? I do push-ups a lot. Let's just ch- – I like challenges. Let's challenge myself. So last July, I did 8,000 push-ups uh, in the month. And starting today, actually, I'm starting uh, I'm starting again, and I'm going to be doing some push-ups after the show. So I'm going to be doing 8,000 push-ups. I encourage people to join with me. I'll be tweeting about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, I, I like I said, I encourage you. I got people on Facebook joining I got a pastor friend of mine who's 50 years old uh who's uh uh joining in. I just got a message uh about that and just read it actually during the break. And yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. So uh, I hope that people uh uh join with me. I've got uh, about seven seven uh brothers of mine on board. Uh good friends of mine uh on board with me to to do the push-ups, 8,000 push-ups in the month of July. So you know, let me know if you're in and if you're in, if you're uh, interested, and let's do these push-ups together. All right, so uh, we'll talk about Cesaro versus John Cena. We had to take a little break before we talk about the amazingness of this match. Um, I definitely, oh, I am very, very excited that the. Uh, the, the 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 world had an opportunity to experience um, this. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm loving these. I'm loving these gifts. Uh, I saw a burning hammer. I saw a burning hammer one, and uh, this one here. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Kenta or Hideo Itami uh, giving the giving the GTS to Tyler Black or Seth Rollins. Uh, and ROH, so good stuff there. Very, very good. Very, very good mems. All right, so John Cena versus Cesaro. Absolutely, absolutely amazing match. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much good to say about this match. One, the fact that John Cena is, and I was talking to a, a buddy of mine today about this. Uh, John Cena is starting to show us his versatility more than ever, and it's funny that it took him, you know, 13 years for us to for us to see that. But I'm liking it. I'm liking the newness of the versatility. I'm liking these U.S. Open challenges. Um, but here's the here's the issue, and of course Cesaro. As soon as Cesaro came out, I knew it was going to be a clinic because. And anything Cesaro touches is gold. But here's the issue that I have with this. 
John Cena is still awkward in the ring. You know, you can be versatile as much as you want, but if you still look awkward, it's not very impressive. The springboard stunner that he did yesterday is one of the talks of the town in the wrestling world. Um, because now there's a gif, of course. There's, of course, there had to be a gif about it. There's a gif that that just keeps showing the botch. He doesn't grab anything. I mean, he grabs air. He stuns the air when he did that to Cesaro. Uh, and you know, it's like the versatility, yes, but the fluidity is not there. And that sunset flip powerbomb that he does, the the, the the sunset flip sit-out powerbomb that he does, please, please stop doing that. The only person that should be doing that is Amazing Red. Amazing Red does a fantastic job doing it. But no, not John Cena. It was just the times that he did it was weird. When he did it against Kevin Owens, it was weird. When he did it against uh, Cesaro, Cesaro had to – really make that move work and kind of pull him up just so it can kind of ricochet and, and make it a sit-out powerbomb. If you can't do it with fluidity, if you if you can't do it either even halfway as good as Amazing Red does, don't do it. Don't add moves to your repertoire just to say that I can do these moves. If you look, if you still do them, do them sloppy. That doesn't make you a better wrestler. That just that's making you just do more moves in a sloppy way. So, you know, I, I respect the fact that Cena's opening up his arsenal, but you still got to make it presentable. You still got to make me want to see those moves performed by you again. Uh, yeah, and it just looks awkward, and it just doesn't fit. I mean, John Cena is too big of a guy to be doing these kinds of things, and it's not really impressive when he does it. Because again, you get the botch, and uh, everyone can see it. Play awkward, and it's, stop doing it. Just stick with what you're doing. Be inventive. That's fine, but again, don't. It just it looks dumb. It looks awkward. Uh, I guess is our can run with anybody. I mean, the match itself is just absolutely beautiful. I love the way it was set up with Owens coming out. I I knew something had to go on because you're not going to have a match like that third time they wrestle each other on Monday Night Raw. That would be awesome. You should do that every now and then, but they weren't going to. And it was was a breath of fresh air. It was a great match other than a couple minutes after they already talked about. But, I mean, that was, I mean, the match went on almost, what, 20 minutes. Yeah, it was was long. That was was amazing. So, I mean, John Cena, again, he just, not a Cena guy, but he's kind of coming into his own. And you mismentioned it took him 13 years to do that, but I, he's really he's a great part of the show, and I, I can honestly say that now. Yep, yeah, uh, you know he, he's he's an asset to the company. Uh, I definitely would never dispute that whatsoever. Uh, the pay-per-view that hosted the first elimination chamber match. Did I overlook the correct answer for that because I have not seen it? I have not seen it at all. The first pay-per-view to host the Elimination Chamber match. All right, next we have uh, Primetime Players and Lucha Lucha defeating New Day and Bo Dallas. See, and it, it's, it's, I just, I said this before, I just absolutely can't stand this. 
I mean, SmackDown, Raw, last week as well. The New Day just continues to lose. It just makes, I mean, and why would you have the New Day lose now where you have the first ever WWE event, Beast in the East, which I'm very excited about. It should be really, it should be really nice. I don't think the card is very, the card's not very like overwhelming at all. It's, it's not like super excited about the card, but I am excited about just um, the the production it being in Japan and uh, Neville versus Jericho. I think that's going to be a great match. Um, and then, of course, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens. I think it's pretty much a lock that Finn Balor takes that. Um, that that would just be those two those two matches: Balor and Owens, and then Jericho and and Neville, or uh, still a show. And then you know, but the thing is, you're you're building this pay per view. You're, you're building building this you know uh, WWE exclusive. WWE Network exclusive. You're building around Brock Lesnar. The, the the event is called Beast in the East, so it's built around Brock Lesnar. Opponents Kofi Kingston, which isn't horrible because K- Kofi Kingston has built himself as a solid heel the past few months. I'm okay with him being against Kofi because you know Kofi can just weasel weasel his way in and out of the match like Rollins will Battleground. I'm fine with that. And plus the New Day, you know, they're going to be there. They're going against uh, the, uh, uh, what's it, Lucha Dragons. So they could be there. They can help out Kofi. But you need to build Kofi Kingston. Why are you continue to have him lose if you're trying to build this, this pay-per-view, so to speak, around Brock Lesnar just for his opponent to just lose Week after week after week after the after they lost the titles, I think it's a horrible way, you know. And, and we've had many comments on Twitter, many comments here at the We Are Wrestling live stream that that, that are absolutely one hundred percent on the money. You know, it's like when you, when you build something when you build something organically in the WWE, if it's not a WWE machine, it's not going to have a good shelf life. It's just not. We've seen that many times. Zack Ryder is one of them. And we've seen it many times where when something's not organic, when something is organic, it just, it, it, it it's like the creative does, you know, creative does what their best to try to, you know, try to fizz it out, fizzle it out. And yeah, it's it's horrible. I mean, you need to build if you're building this around Brock Lesnar and his opponent is Kofi Kingston. It's ridiculous for him to be losing matches against Neville and primetime players, and it just makes absolutely no sense at all. And why am I supposed to believe that that the New Day should have a, a title rematch if they keep losing every week? It just it, they they're they have no steam right now, you know. People are still chanting "New Day sucks," but it was only getting better. But they lost the title. They're losing matches, and it makes no sense that they're doing this. It's horrible booking. It's horrible booking. You almost like what is Japan? You know, they've got New Japan wrestling, and you know we all talk about 
how great it is. They've been around forever, and they've just become really of its own entity. And when WWE comes over to Japan, they watch WWE. What do they think? Like, well, what's going on? You got the big giant beast of a man, Brock Lesnar, against Kenny Black guy. Which I mean, nothing against Kofi Kingston. He can hold his own, and he has for years in WWE. But hey, it's just not that wouldn't work over here. So why do you think it's going to work over there when they look <laughs> wrestling so much more seriously and it's much of a more sacred? I mean, it's like baseball or football over there in Japan. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, Japan. You know, Cena uh, Lesnar was you know IWGP champion, so you know he. He was in Japan. He's he had some classic matches. You know the the short time that he was in, you know Japan. So you know the the, the Japanese crowd are, are well aware of of Brock Lesnar. You know when he had you know the, the the red tights at the time. So people are you know people in Japan are well aware of Brock Lesnar, and it's like. To the, the the Japan crowd reveres wrestling in the first place, and then for one and for two, you're going to have him headline the event, which makes sense. You're going to name the event after him, which makes sense. But you're going to give him Kofi Kingston, which does not make sense. So, yeah, it just just. I understand that they didn't want to change the card because it wasn't supposed to be as big as it is. But, yeah, I mean, they they made it as big as it is. So that's not our fault as viewers that, you know, they're not – that that is it's not as big as it is or it wasn't going to be as big, but now it's something big. It's not our fault. So, you know, I don't understand why they would do that. And then the Dolph Ziggler and Lana going public thing. Uh, this thing, I mean, this has to stop. I mean, Summer Rae getting into it. Lana, you know, yeah, I'm going to put my hair down. Now she's doing cat fights. I understand they're trying to kind of weave her way. No, no, point, no point intended. They're trying to weave her way into being the top. Per, the, you know the, the the top diva, and I've said it before. I'm not against Lana being the top diva because, you know, Trish didn't have any wrestling experience, and she's arguably one of the best ever now, a Hall of Famer. So I'm not against that, you know. But people aren't buying this whole thing with her and Lana. People people know that she's in a real relationship with. Uh, Rusev, and yes, Survivor Series 2002 is is the correct answer. Uh, people know that you know she's in a real relationship with Rusev. They just bought a house in Tennessee, so they get it. But it's like, yeah, but somehow we're supposed to believe that you know they're not together, and she's with Ziggler now, and she's still doing her Russian thing. So she's still, you know, if you're going to if you're going to make Lana a baby face and just start on this big face run, she has to get away with it, uh, away with she, she's got to get away from everything involving Rusev. She has to have they have to have segments with her doing, you know, uh, American English. They have to do. You know, fashion tips, all of these, just get her 
far away from the Russian, uh, the 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 Russian, the ravishing Russian gimmick. They just they just need to do away from it. Otherwise, it's going to be still weird looking at Lana and Ziggler, and just the duo is just not working for me. It's not organic. I mean, it looks totally forced, and it's just yeah. you can tell they just don't look that comfortable with each other, and it's. It's turning into a classic feud that we've seen multiple, multiple, multiple times in the past, but it's not working out this time so much. And the, the Ziggler, yeah, he, I mean, he's great, but it's nothing that Lana's not going to fare well from this, and neither is he. Yeah. Uh, where would Ziggler go? Um, uh, I, I think I think I think I tweeted about this. Uh, my, my preference would be Dolph Ziggler joining Chaos and New Japan. I think him and Beretta would be a really good tag team. I know that Beretta's uh, teaming with uh, Ricky Romero right now with uh, um, uh, with R uh, with uh, RPV. But yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think Beretta and Ziggler and, and, and Chaos would be good. Uh, even, you know, maybe even Ziggler and Omega in the Bullet Club. You know, Z- Ziggler and, and Kenny Omega teaming up in the Bullet Club. May, that that has a nice ring to it, too. But I think Ziggler joining Chaos and, and, and him and Beretta teaming up, um, or even him and uh, Rocky Romero um, with Rapagny Vice, I think that's them teaming up and chaos would be Ziggler's best bet. I think he's damaged goods in the WWE right now, and he, he's just, there's nothing, you know, for him that's left. Barrett versus Swagger. Why was that on Raw? Seamus versus Neville. Um, you know, a good way to build steam for Seamus for the money in the bank. Real quick, next question is, what was the finishing move of the Harris brothers? What was the finishing move the Harris brothers called? Then we got Rollins and Kane defeating Reigns and Ambrose. Uh, they really made, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt shine uh, tonight. He interrupted in the match, and then he came back afterwards and uh, put him in Sister Abigail. And, you know, it may be just a one-off feud, but it, it seems like they're, you know, Drawing heat and, and doing that with with uh, Bray Wyatt to to you know give give Roman Reigns that underdog pop. So I'm okay with that. They're building up Reigns in a, in an organic way. They're not forcing him down our throats anymore, and and uh, and people are respecting that. I didn't have a problem with the ending. Bringing Bray Wyatt in, he always does the uh, Russian attack and not Russian, but rush in. And he's got that where the lights go off, kind of Undertaker-esque type of feel to it. So, I mean, I've always – I like Bray Wyatt. I think he's a great talent. And I, this is going to help Bray Wyatt, I hope. It's going to help uh, Reigns until, you know, we get this Reigns against uh, Lesnar and all that again during SummerSlam. But the WWE, for the most part, I believe, has really done well with uh, making the laughs between WrestleMania and SummerSlam pretty decent. So. I was happy with the ending last night. I'm glad to see Bray Wyatt coming back out, looking a little bit relevant again. So we'll see. Yeah. Real quick, flavor of the week: uh, the 
six-man championship. We're talking about defunct titles. We're going to talk about one more next week. Defunct titles. Real quick, what's your memories on the six-man title? I, honestly, I'm trying to really remember it. Um, I'm kind of at a loss. Explain it to me a little better. Six-man championship was a very prestigious title in the NWA. Uh, and, and not really. It was just throwing on some people um, a, a lot of times. And it just really helps six-man uh, championships, six-man uh, really, you know, six-man championship titles or six-man tag teams is what I'm trying to say. Um, I've been but it really was like a free – it was really like, kind of like a free bird thing, but they had just—I mean, the, the the people that they had as uh, six-man champions were not, you know, very exciting whatsoever. I think one time they had like uh, Ron Simmons, um, Big Jor or, or uh, uh, Big Josh, and uh, somebody else. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I mean, I like where the Freebirds had it. It was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like Big George or, um, I'm trying to figure out what, uh, the, the, the other one was. It, yeah, it, it was, uh, but the, the NWA version was good. They had Dusty Rose and the Road Warriors, uh, and then, uh, the, the Coloss. I'm a call off from the powers of pain, and then dusting the road warriors again. So that really helped them. I mean, when they when they the road warriors had it, but as far as the the WCW version, um, that was a bit more odd <laughs> to me. They, yeah, it was like uh, Junkyard Dog, Ricky Morton, and, and uh, uh, Tommy Rich. Um, they Dog Morton Rich was in '91, and then the Freebirds won it, and then Big the Big Josh, Dustin Rose, and Tom Zink—that's who it was. And then the York Foundation helped build them as a stable, but it only lasted for the WCW version only lasted a year. <laughs> I mean, it was just—it uh, lasted less, less than a year, actually. But just you know, sounds- titles like that. I remember as a kid watching you know titles like that. And it was uh, pretty cool uh, to watch, but yeah, it was it was it was interesting. I, I definitely um, encourage people to watch, you know, the six man tag team championship. We'll talk about another one next week. We'll talk about the European Championship next week. Uh, that should be pretty fun, ladies and gentlemen. It has been another successful. Pancakes and Power Sam's episode 170 episodes. How about that, Derek? I absolutely love it. 170 episodes, and I've been a part of 168, I believe. So, I mean, we're doing great, Chris. Love it, love it, love it. Six man tag. I'm kind of glad I forgot about it. So, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Featherstone, any last words? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, they need to bring the belt back as a SmackDown exclusive. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring back the six man championship. Absolutely. You people still chat P N P love it. H bomb is the correct answer. Great job. H bomb is the correct answer. Um thank you. 
all again. Thank you for your support. Next week we have Rodney Mack in the house. We're going to talk about um, you know some some uh, red dog days with John Cena. How did he really feel about that? Uh, teaming up with John Cena was John Cena. How was he back then? Was he humble? Was did he did he feel like he you know um, did did he feel as if uh, he uh, was uh, people was he entitled? Did people owe him something? So. Really excited to talk about that. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Until next week, enjoy. Bye-bye.